Hello and welcome to episode 233 of the Dive Down. I'm Magic, the gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Shane here in Denver, Colorado. With me on the line from Massachusetts, it's the one and only Devin O'Donnell, a.k.a. Doomwake. Welcome back, my friend. I feel like it's been forever since I've seen you. It's probably only been a few weeks. How are you? It's been too long, Shane. I've been I've been good. A lot of stuff happening. Uh, the other day, I cracked my windshield. That was a fun experience. And uh, thankfully, I'm going <laughs> like to get it fixed. Like with your hand? No, no, no. It was uh, a rock-type object that hit my window when I was driving home. But I've been good. It's been fun so far. So far, since since the windshield crack. Yeah, 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 which was yesterday, so. <laughs> yeah, well, how's everything in Massachusetts? How has the streaming been, by the way? I know that, I, have you still been focusing a lot on modern? Like, have you fully, have you pivoted just the, the, the Lord of the Rings pivot, as I call it? Yeah, I mean, it's gotten me addicted. You know, the the ring itself has definitely tempted me in more than one way. Yeah, I still I still play some Pioneer from here and there, just practice for RCQs. I still have two more Pioneer RCQs coming up, so I still want to do some prep for that. But yeah, I've been focusing a lot more on Modern, especially with the Pro Tour coming up. That's fun. Have you noticed any kind of difference in the the crowd? Like, have you had more or fewer? Or have people been you know, like differently engaged in any way? I'd say it's been relatively the same, maybe a slight increase. So I think people are right, maybe rightfully so getting sick of Pioneer. Yeah, but they're ready for that, that pro tour. Yeah, that too. Dave, you're lurking. I know. I kept quiet this time until I was introduced for some reason. You want to know why? I think I'm having a buffering problem right now. I, my, my memory buffer on my body and my computer both seem to be <laughs> a little weird. So I'm quitting programs quietly in the background. Yeah, your, your mouth and voice are not aligning, which is rare. Desync. Desync. Okay, I think it's getting better. But uh, also with this golf, the Godfather Dave Arger. Yeah, I still had to say something before I was officially introduced. Uh, <laughs> boy, let me tell you something. Read your emails closely, friends, because uh, I just had, yeah. I just really messed something up, and now I'm running here to the podcast because of something else that I messed up in a different part of my life. It happens. It happens. You, you Devin, do you ever get any like business emails? You know what I mean? Like where you like you ignore it and you go back and read it and you're like, oh man, I wish I had read that three weeks ago. This looks like a sweet opportunity. I could have I could have been playing Marvel Snap for money. Yeah, well, it's that specific one. Funny you mentioned that they actually reached out to me. Uh, I think it was about like three or four months ago when they were doing uh, like initial pushes for sponsorships, and they had mm-hmm. sent me one, and I just like. I have a bad habit of not separating business email and personal email. Like I just, yeah. I only have one email or had one email. So I recently about a month ago created a business email to kind of separate that for the sponsors. But how can I email you at your point of business? True. No, how can I? What's the email address? Is it secret? Oh, no, it's, I think it's just doomwake.business at gmail.com. Okay, there you go. Doomwake.business. What's in your email? Uh, my business papers, just papers, <laughs> my business papers. <laughs> Speaking of business, uh, Heavy Play is a new card gaming accessories brand slash business. It'll improve your gameplay and your game day. Uh, the play mats, the deck boxes, the card sleeves have awesome enhanced ergonomics. They have really awesome sort of mobility package built in that we'll talk about in a second. And of course, the protection that you would purchase these things for. The equip bag system allows you to magnetically attach your dice boxes, your deck boxes, your playmat, all in one single handheld item. Um, I have them. Dave has them. Stan has them. we got to get Devin some of these as well so oh. he can talk about them. And you, it's, it's, a, it's a nice, sweet little package. And Heavy Play gets 10% off 
your first order at heavyplay.com using code thedivedown2023, the code you know and love. They're also coming soon to your LGS. I doubt they will give you 10% off your first order there, but you can try. If you go in into like energy and say, hey, Norm, the dive down 2023, I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> you My can try Norm. Norm will likely hook people up, but I don't think he hangs up behind the counter. Maybe he does. I don't know. Norm's a very hands-on person over at NRG. But uh, Heavy Play, thanks for being a sponsor of The Dive Down. My friends, we are talking about my perhaps favorite thing, which is the Modern Pro Tour coming up. An unbelievable turn of events that we have another Modern Pro Tour. It feels like it's been decades. You want to know the weirdest thing about it? It's been four years since the last product. I'm going to give away some of the content that we had earlier. The last Modern Pro Tour was in 2019. Okay. I'm going to give just, I'm just going to give the intro right now that I wrote for this segment. Please. You wrote it. It was in 2019. It was also in Barcelona, which this one is in. And it was also the same weekend. It was July 26th to 28th, 2019, which means we're just a few days off from being exactly, uh, exactly four years ago. And... Do you all remember the top? Uh, do you remember much about that Pro Tour? That was, the, that was the yeah, Hogak Pro Tour, right? It was the Hogak Pro Tour, although only one Hogak deck made top eight, surprisingly. There were seven different decks in the top eight. And what I'm looking at right now, the finals, you may remember, were won by Thoral Severin on Mono Green Tron. Mono Green Tron in a Hogak kind of world against, do you remember the deck that, that uh, Thorolf played against not looking but uh devin do you remember i think it was etron it was scales oh close Hard oh scales. right yeah scales lost yeah. i think scales lost to etron or something in top four yeah pretty interesting there was an etron deck yeah the rest of the top oh, eight yeah. just for we'll go down this memory lane real quick eldrazi tron jund urza thopter sword jund <laughs> oh, yeah. mono red phoenix and turbo hogak Hogak, everybody. And who, who knew four, four years yep. could change a format so much? Remember how much we used to argue about Faithless looting being an, an essential part of this format? <laughs> I missed that card. My heart does, but my, my brain does not, Devin. I'm, <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I'm okay. In the arms I mean, my heart misses Ayavugan, so don't ask me about oh, you know, what my heart misses. Not that. Uh, housekeeping really fast as you break into the breakdown. Uh, we have three new patrons of the Dive Down Nation. Citizens got their papers signed. We've got Guile V, uh, apparently the Street Fighter V Guile player. Stefan W and Joshua R. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for becoming citizens of the Dive Down Nation. We hope to enjoy your presence in the definitively discreet dive down discord for a while we have no increased tiers and no new reviews since last week but if you want to be like guile stefan or stefan and joshua you can go to our patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down that is the best way to help keep us going um, it is you know money more or less directly into our bank account which then funds all the things we have to pay for to keep this going helps uh keep us in the green which we kind of need to be in i mean actually we don't need to be i would pay for this podcast but thankfully we don't have to uh, we have all of you lovely citizens out there that do if you want to hit up the the discord if you want to get some swag sent your way if you want to get episodes early at the five dollar tier and above patreon.com slash the dive down you also can buy stuff at the Dive Down store. That's at our website, thedivedown.com slash store. Yeah. Bunch of cool stuff there. 
And then a couple of things that you can do, other places that you can help us out if you want to. We'll go through these really quick. One is Manatraders. Manatraders.com. Rent Magic Online Cards using our code to get 10% off your first two months of Magic Online Card rentals. That's the Dive Down 2023. Energy Plus, if you want to buy paper cards for uh, Nerd Rage Gaming, you can use code DIVE8 to get 8% off of your cards that you buy from Nerd Rage Gaming. Just check them out. We're just helping Norm and the team at Nerd Rage Gaming out there. And then finally, if you want to get some excellent shaving, wet shaving, fragrances, all those kind of things. Soaps. Soaps. This, uh, you can't, uh, the code is the dive down 23 now. The M has been removed. And yeah. so the reason this is, okay, the reason the codes change is because these like sort of like honey.com, stuff like that, they'll get wind of the codes and then they go on there and then the owners of these stores can no longer track the usage. And the reason that the code changed is because Will at Barrister and Man, this is just behind the scenes stuff about how this stuff works. He re-upped with us. The reason he re-upped with us is because enough people spent enough money at his store using our last code to for him to want to say, hey, let's do some more weeks because it makes sense for both of us. So if you want to help keep a sponsor with us, you go to Barrister and Man, M-A-N-N, and you know, buy some stuff for yourself, for a loved one. Tell someone else about it. Give them the code, and that help, that's very helpful. And it's really good stuff. Like I shaved this morning, and I was reminded, yes, it's a really good product. And you'll hear more about that in our uh, ad drops later on, I'm sure. Yeah, secret ninja-like ad drop later on. Okay, but for now, Shane, are you ready? Oh, let's do this. Pro Tour, modern. Before we get started, one thing real quick. I I was able to rent some One Rings today from Manitrader, so if you're looking for One Rings, I can confirm that they they do have them. (laughs) They do, in fact, exist. I got them no problem last time. I was surprised. I was also renting at a weird time, but yeah, like uh, Manitrader's always has what, frequently has what you need, unless it's the One Ring. Yeah. Well, it happens. You know, this time of year, uh, supply is really constrained. All right. So it is time to talk about the modern pro tour that we've been waiting for. We thought we would never see its likes again. And here we are. I wanted to ask you, Devin, because I remember what we were doing. We were probably talking, we were talking about this stuff. What were you doing four years ago during this pro tour? Were you like doing the streaming thing yet? What was your magic life like? July 2019, I was still at, I was still with the credit union, so I didn't start. I didn't really pursue or like begin pursuing streaming full time until about a year after this. It was about June of 2020 okay. when I really started. So I was doing my eight to five at the credit union. You know, it was it was okay for what it was, but I was not playing as much Magic with the uh, with the eight to five. But you were still you're still like a magic player, right? Oh, like yeah. were you doing like events and stuff like that? Yeah, I was doing like the weekend stuff. I didn't was I didn't really have time to test during the week, but I would still go to weekend events. I still I watched this pro tour the entire weekend. Yeah, and a lot of times what happened, like specifically whenever the PT weekend happens, I would take the Friday I would like vacation day the Friday off and I would just like binge watch the whole the whole pro tour weekend. I missed that. Yeah, that's always fun. Shane, do you want to know specifically what you and I were doing? Right after Please the pro tour. Me. So our episode, we did an episode about this pro tour, and it wasn't even just about this pro tour. <laughs> Unbelievably, we did an episode, episode 33 of the dive down oh from four years ago is about pro, the last pro tour Barcelona. And what we did, because we used to really know how to pack two hours with content, <sighs> is the first half of the show was about this pro tour. The second half of the show was a dive down into Jund. 
for some reason we did a deep deck dive on jun why would we want to steal our own content in that way did like we have such a packed schedule we're like we gotta do jun this week because after that we can't do spirits i mean there were two exactly there were two jun decks in the top eight as we just talked about so maybe we were like this is the only time jun is gonna be relevant Mm. for the next five years we're doing it right now man Honestly, right after Red and Six too, right? I think it was. Yeah, that's yeah. that's part of it too. Probably oh want to talk gosh. about Red and Six. Part I think we spoke a little bit on that episode. I might be wrong about whether Red and Six was really better than Dark Confidant. Why? How things have changed, <laughs> our friend. Do you want to change your opinion on that? I I think I was correct. I won't for what back. it's worth. <laughs> I think Sh- Shane might have bought and sold Bob several times after that. Um, anyway, so here we are. How how are we going to approach talking about this this? pro tour okay so i think what we're going to do is we're going to kind of do like three parts we're going to talk about how the meta has changed thanks to lord of the rings yeah then we're going to spend some time talking about why we think the meta has changed in in as many kind of using as many decks as examples within that as we can and then after that we're going to put our money where our mouth is figuratively speaking i suppose because instead of making predictions, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to have a fantasy football style draft of deck archetypes. And I will explain the rules of this <laughs> later, but this is how Shane and Devin and I will determine who is the best at predicting what will happen in a pro tour by drafting fantasy decks. Is and Brian Devin is pointing at himself right now. <laughs> no, Brian Westbrook is not playing John Jonathan anymore. McNabb. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan McNabb, all, all of them. All of your favorite, all your favorite Eagles. Um, Is Webster I know that that's, Slaughter still good? I, I know that the Eagles are Devin's favorite team for sure. Oh, yeah. Love them. <laughs> yeah, love Absolutely. them. Love them. All right. <laughs> so the first thing we're going to do, we're going to talk about how the, the format has changed at large. Okay. And so we have several kind of headlines here that I think will guide us through a bit of a discussion about how modern has changed. But the first thing we have to say is that if you haven't been listening, if you have nice Cowboys hat, Devin, Devin put on his Cowboys hat. <laughs> what? Uh, yes. Yes. Not a yeah. Patriots fan? No, We've had this discussion me? like several times. No, not with me on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't don't break my flow, Shane. I love when Bernie Kosar was a backup to Troy Aikman. That was my favorite era. <laughs> exactly. Well, we got Bernie Kosar ring, so that's all that mattered. Listen, <laughs> the first headline here, we as we know, is that modern is a pretty different format from what it was six weeks ago. You think so? Yeah, I do. I do think so. And it's even more than I thought. I mean, so it's clear or maybe it's not as clear anymore. You know, we kind of thought at the end of spoiler season that there was no way that Lord of the Rings was going to be Modern Horizons 3. And I still don't think it was. No. But I have seen some people because it's not the same as Modern Horizons 2. I have seen some people compare it to Modern Horizons 1, which I did kind of think was interesting that maybe it had some of a similar impact as Modern Horizons 1, although maybe it's still less than that. The thing that makes it the best comparison for me is I think the Horizon sets are very good at introducing new archetypes or giving like massive role players to new archetypes. And I think that Lord of the Rings really introduced not new archetypal role players, but kind of like they're powerful cards, but they're more fill-in. You know what I mean? Like the, the ring goes in a lot of decks, but Master goes in a lot of decks. That's It's kind of like support as opposed to like new archetypes. Mm-hmm. But it has changed the dynamics, and we'll talk about that a lot more, and made some archetypes that weren't possible before more possible now, and made some archetypes that were 
very popular before, a lot less popular, I think, because of the tools are on the table and the way the meta, the shape of the metagame has changed over time. Yeah, that's the thing, I think, that is kind of the impact, right? Where it's like, not even necessarily because a huge influx of a lot of cards, just like enough cards to really shake things up, especially as we head into this Pro Tour to talk about. Like, I'm sure at some point things will settle back out and we'll get a much clearer picture of what that meta looks like. And it might be from this weekend, for instance, or that might just be a, another kind of log on the fire that just kicks things back up to you know swirl around again before they settle back down again. But I think that's what's kind of unusual about this is it's like maybe, what, 10 cards or so? But those have been enough to really move things up and down the percentage list, as we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. Although really, realistically... We're talking about two cards in a tier, and then we're talking about three cards, three Probably. or four cards in a tier, and then we're talking about a few other things that are more like fillers and stuff like that. But but Shane, what do you think is the best way to actually talk about how things have changed? I mean, I think the first thing to do is to go outside our podcast and repeat someone else's thoughts, perhaps Frank Karsten's. It's a good person's thoughts to repeat, at least, if <laughs> well, we I mean, have to go somewhere other than us. Yeah, and the reason I would do this is because we have you know, Carson's Metagame Mentor articles. The last one that I believe he did about Modern was late May, and he was talking about the impact of March of the Machine in that article. And so, you know, he breaks down kind of like his sort of winner's metagame type thing where he has decks and a percentage and kind of the, the performance tiers and things like that. And then, of course, in a preview to the Pro Tour, he released one this last week about the impact of Lord of the Rings and kind of where the meta stands right now. So we have a nice, clear, uh, about two-month gap between these two articles and we can sort of just immediately look at the percentages of the decks in the meta and kind of just think well like okay well here's what's just sort of happening in the last two months and where things stand right now before we head into the pro tour and i think i'll just start with kind of the risers first and i think this is would not be a surprise when we see that the omnith decks sir omnith is returning in a huge way going from 3.8 percent up to 10.4%, which is a gain of 6.6. It's now in second place on Frank's list. Rakdos Evoke slash Rakdos Scam. I like calling it Scam. That's up over 4%, up to 11.8% and leading the charts. Yogg is up 3.1% to 6.4% of the meta, or fifth place. And Living End rose 2.5%, and is now at third place on the charts at 8.3. And even old Tron gained 2.5% and now sits at 5.9, which in terms of just a perspective is where indomitable creativity now sits. Right. So just to give that back real quick, that means that in the current meta, according to Frank Karsten, the si let's just go to the six decks at the top of the list right now. Yeah. Rakdos Evoke, Four Color Omnath, Living End, Murktide, Yawgmoth, and Mono Green Tron, half of which were not yeah. really at the top of this list before. They weren't in the top five before Lord of the Rings came. Yeah, and I and some other uh, gainers I saw 
not in huge ways, just less than those previous decks. Decks like Shadow are up 1.3%, Burns up 1.2%, and Coffers, which sits at a 2.2% meta share, is up 0.9% since last list. So that's almost twice the percentage of people playing Coffers, if you want to look at it that way. Devin, does this look, feel, sound accurate to you for, for what you're experiencing every day out in the trenches? Yeah, makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I do play against some weird stuff in the in the leagues from here and then. One thing that I, I do kind of want to you know point out is that a lot of these risers, like if you think about uh, Rakdos Evoke gain Bowmaster, Omnath gain Ring Halfling, Living End gain the Cyclers, Yawkmoth gain Halfling Ring, Tron gain Ring, like all these decks that are rising in popularity are you know, decks that have are very well incorporated these newer cards in there. So it's not surprising to me. Now, I guess the question we have to ask ourselves is that a lot of recency bias and more people just wanting to play the new cards Mm -hmm. more so than are these decks actually going to be at the top of the metagame? Yeah, it's funny you say that, Devin. We do have a lot of math to talk about later on this episode. Not exactly math, but just sort of like, you know, looking at win rate charts on mtgmeta.io, kind of talking about what sort of metagame forces are moving things around. Um, But yeah, I think it makes, I agree completely with what you're saying, right? It's like, not only are these kind of decks playing the new cards, but are they driving people to play those decks more just because of like curiosity and interest, right? I think it's it's really impossible to separate those two things. Yeah, and another thing too, like we see the, I'm not going to say the death of creativity because that would be over-exaggerated, but a very, very big dip in creativity. Um, maybe like burn is maybe a slight increase right around the same. And then you see a huge dip in hammer time, uh, relatively small dip in hammer, huge dip in rhinos. And I think that specifically creativity hammer and rhinos Rhinos are have do not do not fare well in this uh, new ring meta. Yeah, I mean hammer even with a new tool in Forge Anew is down to four point one percent, so that's down three point four. Rhinos is down three point six percent, down to two point nine percent of the meta. You know, and like you said, creativity goes from the top dog at eleven point three down to five point nine, so a huge loss of almost half. It's sort of representation in uh, Frank's metagame. And you know, even Murktide lost 2.5%, sort of the, the stalwart of the modern meta for over two years now at this point, or almost three years. When did Modern Horizons 2 come out? Almost three two years, years ago. Two, 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 three, two. <laughs> no, two, you're right. I feel like people weren't necessarily playing the blue, or like the Murktide deck that we know in its current form until like maybe around a year in people just didn't for whatever reason they just didn't put the cards together at least that that's my recollection of it yeah i mean it's getting close to two years either way it's certainly one of the children of modern i remember buying modern horizons or buying uh murktides not too long after mh2 came out oh, yeah. uh, and being like ooh, they went up ten dollars in value or whatever um so okay so our losers right now creativity hammer rhinos murktide uh, those are kind of the probably the headline ones. Those are all decks that people were expecting to to be around longer, decks that have been around for the last year and a half or more, and they are definitely on the way down in the meta at the moment. And then we have some ones that are kind of maintaining, right? It seems like Titan is maintaining. It seems like Breach is maintaining. It seems like Azorius Control is maintaining. And then a couple other ones like Zoo and Merfolk that are kind of always going to be around the meta no matter what is going on. People want to play Merfolk. Merfolk, people want to play Domain Zoo. They're cool cards, good cards. Um, so these are ones that some of these have picked up the the ring and other things, and some haven't. Do people really want to play Merfolk, Dave? 
<laughs> oh, the people who want to play Merfolk really want to play Merfolk. I know you all are out there listening. And then we do have new decks, too, of course. Things like Demir Control. Frank, how could you call it Demir Midrange? Frank, <laughs> Karsten, how could you? Well, I mean, it is more of a midrange deck than Coffers, and that it, how does dare have, you? it does have a two yes. drop. I listened yes. to that episode no, it- last week, and I almost died laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do this for. Yeah, and then Samwise, you know, we got Samwise stuff. We got we got other new stuff, new new stuff happening. And then Boros Convoke, like people are trying to take Devin, people are trying to take the Boros Convoke deck from Pioneer and make it work in Modern. And do, people are doing things, you know. People, you- I actually played that Convoke deck with Bowmaster, and it was actually kind of cool because Bowmaster's two bodies for the Convoke. It was it was pretty sweet. <laughs> well, it's like the, it's like Ooh. the best timely reinforcements ever, right? Because it because it also does damage. All right, so that's like the high level. Right, and that's also maybe a couple of weeks ago. Frank gave us this kind of big picture of the meta, but we all we do have another thing to look at before we get really deep into like trying to figure out okay why things are happening, what's happening, what what we think this could lead to, and that is, you know, we have four challenges last four. last weekend. We had four of them. Why are there and two on Saturday? Because people got Saturday off, buddy. One uh, one morning and one night. I think they do it for the EU crowd. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Do we always have four? It seems like so many. Wait, I realized. I I now know why they only added the second challenge after Stan moved. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only reason. They were like, we need to get him on there. Yeah. Yeah, nothing Stan likes doing more than playing 10 rounds of magic on on his weekend (laughs) as his child is in the background crawling around. Exactly. Trying to get him to watch Bluey all day. (laughs) All right. So, Shane. Yeah. You went through these challenges. Devin, I know you're watching them too. I don't know if we need to go through every single one, but there's definitely an interesting story in each one. So maybe maybe we could try to do a speed round of like, okay, sure. this yeah. is the last set of challenges before the Pro Tour, right? So you know that people are probably, maybe they're not testing in the challenges, but you know that the pros are trying to get high-level competition. They're trying to get reps in in any way that they can before the Pro Tour. So what happened? in these, these four kind of different large events. Okay. Um, let's, like, let's start with Friday. Okay. Right. So, and that's the first one. So I mean, that makes sense. So what I did is for each of these, I just kind of, I did the, I, I mean, I just cribbed Bamzing off of modern, uh, modern magic on Reddit. Thanks again, Bamzing. So, and you know, we have the top 32 breakdown and I, took all the decks that had two copies or more and from the top 32, 32. Okay. This one had six Yawgmoth, four Scam, three Tron, two Demir Control, two Living End, two Burn, and two Titan. So the thing I noticed here was there were you know four color Omnath wasn't here. The you know the top eight was a couple Yawgmoth, a Demir Control, Scam, uh, this weird Jun list that had full playsets of the following: the One Ring. Fury, Delighted Halfling, Orcish Bowmasters, Fable the Mirror Breaker, Lightning Bolt, Renin Six, and Thoughtseize, and then three each of Terminate and Shieldred. That is it. That is the deck. I mean, there were some lands. I actually played that Jun deck on stream today, by the way. It's just, it, it? Really, it really is just Jun good cards. It like, I mean, <laughs> obviously Jund. I 3 2 the league because that's the only record you can achieve <laughs> in any ever league when you play Jun. But uh, yeah, it was just Jun good cards, but it's just newer good cards, you know? I mean, never stop. Uh, there was also a Green Tron living in and a Bring to Light scape shift of nowhere. Rakdos won it over Yogmoth. Um, yeah. But that's the headline about this one is that there's a lot of Yogmoth here yes. and a lot of scam yep. here, right? Like, And so what that really is is Black X. Mid, like, are we comfortable calling Yogmoth 
Golgari mid range ish yes. now with a with a control with a uh, a combo button basically and Rakdos is basically a an aggro version of a super aggro version of mid range. Like, what do we think about that kind of bottom line? It's actually funny. I actually think that the Yawgmoth deck might be, and this sounds weird to say, but it might be more of a mid-range deck than Scam. Mm-hmm. Is that weird? Yeah. Is that weird? I think no, I don't, I don't think, think it it's is. weird. It has four drops no. that you actually yeah. want to cast for four. Yeah. So we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But okay, the headline is mid-range and <laughs> mid-range in between Rakdos and Golgari here. Really, Bowmaster. Bowmaster, exactly. And, Bowmaster. and I think the uh, one of the first appearances. I mean, we we see blue black control, Demir control, uh, having two copies here. It's not coming out of nowhere. We have talked about it, but enough people are playing it to you know top thirty two this event. Yeah, I mean there were four or five in one of the challenges last week of blue black control as well. Yeah. So I think ever since the Talisker list went Twitter viral or X viral, depending on what we're saying right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and speaking, speaking of for Demir control, Dave, tell me what mm-hmm. happened on Saturday, first Saturday. So the first Saturday challenge had 135 players and the top 32, again, from taken from the top 32 decks that there were more than one of five Rakdos scam, four blue, black control, three Omnath, three burn. There was two red, white and a Mardu burn. We'll talk about that Mardu list, because guess what was in that Mardu list, right? This is the one that has the uh, the secret black card in the Mardu list. Three Yawgmoth, two Amulet Titan, two Jun Saga, two Living End, and two Hammer. One was blue-white, and one was black-white. Whoa. Oh, is that so a Hammer you mentioned- list with Bowmaster? So you mentioned the Hammer deck splashing black and the Burn deck splashing black. Dave, I wonder what those they could be splashing <laughs> black for. I, I was just... I have not seen a Hammer deck with with uh, Bowmasters in it. Did the Hammer deck have Bowmasters too? I'm assuming it did. I, I didn't look at the I list. I'll check it, it right now. Too. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Devin. Saturday Modern 1 results. So anyway, you know, we have another time here where it is five Rakdos decks are the top of the meta. And then, okay, if you want to call Blue Black mid-range because it has Bowmasters in it, okay, but maybe it's another mid-rangey type deck here. And then we have a little bit of resurgence of Omnath, but a lot of Yawgmoth again. I don't know. It's pretty interesting. I mean, that burned list did feature four Bowmasters and Bump in the Night. Have you ever had the absurd pleasure of playing Bump in the Night? I have gotten an 05 with a burn Bump in the Night deck before. That's never fun. I Why play, did I play I, the fifth match, Devin? I don't know. <laughs> I actually played the... I don't know if you guys remember this, so it was popping up uh, maybe a few months back. I think it might have been a Demonic Tutors thing, but it was the Mono Black Burn deck, and I actually mm. tried that with, like, <laughs> updated LTR cards. I added Bowmaster in the One Ring, and I, I think I got... I think I went two and three, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but Bumpin' the Night's a hell of a card. <laughs> yeah. Um, I looked... It's This is a Crusher Bot list, by the way, the, the so-called uh, Orzhov list, and I think it's sort of an automated... Uh, thing from the scraper because it just has silent clearings for uh card card draw okay it's full white mm, okay got it so it's mono white actually okay yeah, no that makes master. although although uh anybody who wants to try bowmaster and hammer uh, get at us go I for don't it don't see why you wouldn't give it a shot but okay so we got more mid-range here okay and then now let's go to the second saturday challenge with 115 players and here are the four decks that there were more than two of in this challenge four four decks there were only crazy. four in the top 32 of the Saturday challenge, there were nine Rakdos scam decks, <laughs> followed by four Red White Burn, then four Demir Control range, and then three 
Yogmothless. There you go. Nine Do we scam. sense any themes happening here as we talk more? Dave. The, because the, I've got one more for you. The top eight was five Recto scam players. Okay. Yeah. This is yeah. I, I heard that the top eight was five I, scam. I don't want to overlook that this is the third challenge in a row that has burn in the top multiple copies in the top three two. There were two on Friday, three on Saturday, four on second Saturday, like second mm-hmm. breakfast. Don't do it, Shane. I'm not I, I will not. I'm just pointing it out. <laughs> Don't cast lava spike, not in twenty twenty. Even a stop clock. <laughs> I mean Shane, you, you used to you used to fancy yourself a little bit of a burn man. I used to I used right? to audible to burn more often than I should, yes. 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 That's why you hate it. Okay. And then here's the last one. Sunday, six Rakdos Scam, followed by five Living End, three Omnath, two Black Green Yawgmoth, two Rhinos, two Murktide, and two Jund Saga. Random. Okay. Yeah, the return of Living End and the continued prevalence of Scam. And I just want to say, the finals of every single one of these events was somebody versus Scam. Friday was Rakdos in the hands of Toothy MTG over Claudio on Yogg. The first Saturday one was BLJ one with Omnath over someone named the Great Slob on Rakdos. They met my college roommate, apparently. <laughs> That's a joke. Classic, my, col- my college roommates were very clean. I was just kidding. Um, then then Saturday, <laughs> that second Brad, Saturday. Don't get at us. Yeah, exactly. B New went on scam over Lum Logic, also on scam. So that was a mirror match on the second Saturday challenge. And then the final one was Tezzy. On four color company. Now that's not four color company, really. That's four color Samwise, my friends, over Rakdos Scam. So Scam made the finals of every single one of these events. Oh, Jesus, that's, that's crazy. That's impressive. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of just a lot of scam, a lot of scam, a lot of my scam. The top eights too, like not just top thirty twos. Like you know, their Saturday had two in in one of them, had five in the other. We had two on Sunday. We had. Uh, and I think just one on Friday. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't want to turn this into like a scam deep dive, but at the end of the day, like it, it is a very, very proactive deck. It's doing something extremely powerful on turn one, you know, 75% of the time or whatever the number we had to get Frank on the numbers of how often you open, you know, Greek for fury plus scam. And there is just a lot of decks that y- a lot of people, I think what really changed Scam was not necessarily like any specific card, but people just realizing that if you go Fury and Feign Death on turn one, a lot of the format just can't beat that. Yeah. It's also less of the format than was before, I think, can beat it, right? Or, or, yeah. or is willing to try to beat it. So. Yeah, I mean, I wanted us to talk about briefly just. Isn't it wild how the deck went from sort of a curiosity in the hands of the first sort of popular player that I remember playing? It was like Pascal Maynard just being like, well, there's that weird scam deck. I mean, young, like that young weird Dingo deck. was huge yeah. for it, for and then, sure. Yeah, for sure. And then like all of a sudden it was just like, I mean, and then over the course of what, like a year plus, like it's like it's become perhaps the de facto best deck in the format. Yeah, and that's just wild to see. And I think another thing that's really, really huge for Scam is the decline in Rhinos, because as fellow Rhino aficionados, you probably realize and, and agree with me that the Scam matchup is really good for Rhinos. But as Rhinos gets pushed out of the metagame, it's going to become a lot more difficult because uh, the, you just lost one of your best matchups. We talked about the decline in Rhinos that, you know, over three or four percent so that if you're losing one of your best matchups, it's kind of tough. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of like sort of metagame stuff that I am 
just champing at the bit to talk about, but unfortunately we have some other content in the way, Dave. I mean, we're just going to try to break it all down now. We've talked about what has happened and we've, we've hinted around it. So some of this might be a little bit of us repeating things we've said a moment ago, but I think, I think we have to start to help us figure out what might happen in the future. We have to talk about why it's happening, I think, or at least make some guesses that Devin can tell us we're wrong about. Yes. I would love, I would love for Devin to tell us we're wrong about things. Yes. So, the first thing, we have to start with Bowmaster in the ring, right? That seems fair. Like, these are the two cards that are the forces, have been the forces warping the metagame over the last couple of weeks, right? And now we're clearly on an upswing of Bowmaster being the card that everybody wants to play. The ring is still, of course, really important. It's in a lot of these decks. But if you look at decks that are consistently using these cards, there's a lot of different ways that people are thinking about it. Dave, I feel like you're forgetting about some important cards that I want to give their fair shake, like Lorien Revealed I, and Delighted Halfling. I, okay, so one of those... Generous Ants, Oliphant. Yeah, but see, I think that those don't fit. Samwise Gamgee. But those aren't the ones that are defining Ransom. the meta. They're not defining the meta Ransom. right now. I think maybe, but... Do you think... God, don't don't say that. Ari Lax is going to appear in a cloud of smoke and scream at us on this podcast if we say I want a pro tour. If, if we say that if we say that Sauron's ransom is a playable card. Look, okay, online. I, I didn't say it was a good card. I just said it's defining the format because people are jamming it into their deck for no reason. Yeah. Dang. Okay. Like they just they just want a weird divination. Okay. Yeah. We all just want a weird divination. Anyone who wants to play Demir just wants a weird div- divination for sure. But really, like, if you look at the rising decks, the rising decks rely on one or two or both of these cards for the most part. Okay. I understand that Oliphant Oliphant is is its own thing, like living in its own thing, and we will get to living end in a little bit i promise but my uh, my my generous ants came today yeah but if there's you no lo- special editions of them and i'm upset about it. i know it's unfortunate but look if it's omnath tron and coffers are using the one ring for the most part right and then rakdos and yog are using bow masters and then blue black is using both the ring and bow masters and there's several decks that are trying to do those things or various combination of those things like that is a huge all of those decks mapped to the decks that went to the top of the list or were significant gainers in, in the last kind of change. Sure. Yep. Living End gets a Land Cyclers, like Oliphant and Generous End. Yeah. And the other thing is, though, that the decks, as Devin said earlier, the decks that aren't playing these cards yeah. are the decks that are falling. So if you yes. look at Creativity, Murktide, Rhinos, and Hammer, and Shane, I got to tell you, like, I definitely wanted Forge Anew to be good. Like it, yeah. that doesn't count as a card. That, it's like a no. one of in these lists. It's like, okay, it got one Lord of the Rings card. Those are the, the decks that are going away. And so we're starting to see the dominoes fall in the metagame because of the, the lessening of those decks in the metagame and the uh, rising of these other decks in the metagame. Yeah. Like if a card goes in a deck and the deck gets worse, is it really an upgrade? Even you if it's I mean? new. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's new. Well, one thing that I, I think we, we, we can kind of discuss here as far as like the, the gators and risers. So I think with the ring and halfling specifically, or excuse me, the ring and bowmaster, not halfling, you really kind of have to build your deck in a specific way to like a it's really hard to be able to fight the ring in a long game. So you have to like specifically target it with damage prevention or something like that, or like try to go under it. And then with Bowmaster, like one toughness creatures are basically just completely off the table. So I think a lot of it is maybe 
because the decks that are falling didn't get a new card, they're not really necessarily they're maybe maybe they're not trying to adapt as much to the newer decks. And these decks that got a lot of these increases are, you know, they're adapting, they're making their decks better. And I think it might just have something to do with people need to maybe just readjust how they're building your Murktide deck and your Rhinos deck and, and all these decks that are falling. Maybe you just have to figure out how to readjust that stuff. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit. Like with Rhinos, we I think we mentioned this last week, just kind of the the builds that were doing pretty well all of a sudden out of nowhere that had like uh they had the Lorian revealed card they were playing more subtleties main people are pretty high in subtlety lately that's a strong card especially against like things like scam you know just kind of adapting the deck because it's weird how Rhino seems like a fairly inflexible deck, but then when you get powerful land cycling tools like Lorien or hand refill cards like Lorien, you can start making those cards go into Rhinos because of the, the mana restrictions and how it works. And so I think that's a pretty cool new tool for Rhinos to attempt to to be using. We saw two Rhinos decks in the top 32 of Sunday's challenge. I actually didn't look at them because I'm a, I'm a bad magic content creator. And that list came out today when I was at work. So I just shoved it in there really fast, but I will tell you, they both had four Lorians. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Somehow I opened two, two boxes of Lord of the Rings. I have two Lorian revealed. I have to go find this. I have two Lorians revealed and no Sauron's ransoms. So I have to figure that out somehow in the future. But anyway, so here, here's where, where I think we could start to like, Yep. Shane, this is the part where you did the data work and I tried to put these into buckets for us to have like headlines no, I to think, talk I about. Think, I think that that is what a good content creator does, Dave, is they take my ramblings and turn it into a structure. So that's what a creative director does. Oh, and yeah. that's what I messed up that I had to was late to this call for. <laughs> so 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 that's 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 what I'm trying to fix. The so I think the first thing is if you think about the rings decks, there's basically like two big buckets of ring deck for me and Devin, please let us know what you think about this of course but i do think that they're all playing obviously they're all playing value games but there's two versions of that one is there's kind of the slow-ish rings decks and then there's the slow ring decks and the slow-ish rings rings decks to me that's tron and omnath right those are decks that are doing things with really powerful payoffs and then omnath is kind of like always been sort of a mid-range deck and Shane, if you want to talk about some of the math that happens with Tron coming up and why Tron might be doing well, like that's that's what I think this first bucket is. One quick thing. Do you want to lump Yawgmoth in there, too? Because I know that Yawgmoth has been popular, like they've been playing a lot more rings recently. And I feel like that mm-hmm. it, it's definitely not really a control deck. So I think it might go into that yeah. category, too. Yeah, I I kind of feel like I still want to talk about Scam and Yawgmoth being more similar than people think and also more different than people think is kind of like the next bucket, okay. even though Yawgmoth has ring. Is that okay? Yeah. Or do you think that's a mistake? No, I think that works. Okay. So really what I did here is I looked at kind of all the risers and fallers and kind of the state of the metagame. And I looked at data from mtgmeta.io, which has like a nice big metagame chart of kind of data of matchups. I looked at things before Lord of the Rings and since Lord of the Rings and kind of looked at, so what are these decks performances looking like against other players in the metagame? What do they look like before? What are kind of these percentages looking like in terms of uh, prevalence and performance? And I think there's a really big story to tell and again, I do think it is larger than just the the one ring and bowmasters. And I know you're not saying that's the case, right. Dave. And so 
what I think is interesting about the influx of Lord of the Rings, not only the cards, but kind of the way people are playing them, the decks are going into, is it's really created a huge cascade effect. And I, I don't mean that in terms of rhinos, maybe in living end, but like, you know, you can't change one thing in a meta without having other impacts. And I think we are seeing the confluence of a wide variety of shifts in the meta and Thankfully for us, perhaps, as we head into this Pro Tour, I don't think we're anywhere near stabilized. And so we get to see, I think, players who devote a lot more time than we do, perhaps not Devin, into you know attacking the metagame, exploring the metagame, trying to see what is and is not working. And I think the first thing that I mean, some people think is working, so others do not, but I think mathematically it's shown that you know, Green Tron, it's getting back to viability is a really big deal in the meta. Because it does a few things. It's another force against creativity to push it down because there's a really strong win rate against that deck. It also stomps on rhinos. It stomps on hammer stomps on, of course, another, a number of other decks. And so it stifles all of those decks ability to just hang around in the meta, you know, whether or not that is just sheer performance against those decks. Although statistically, like I said, it is just it being there. And being able to kind of apply that pressure against these decks just is just as a, a major influence. And I think what's funny is, you know, in perhaps somewhat circular reasoning, reasoning the, the rise of Yawgmoth, the rise of Living End, and the Omnath decks has also allowed Green Tron to move up because it's strong against those decks as well. And, you know, those decks, of course, needed the Lord of the Ring cards, too, to get more popular, to get more powerful. And so, like, we see those types of forces colliding here. It's kind of my first big example of, like, sure, all these cards made all these decks a little bit better, but then that also allows Green Tron, just because it adds the One Ring is one thing, but just sort of having a naturally strong matchup, I guess, in every of those things is another. But then, like, you know, it's we can get Scam. So it gives Scam an opportunity to say, like, hey... Uh, I'm even better than I was before, perhaps. Yeah, one thing specifically about Tron, and uh, this is maybe coincidence, maybe not. I feel like Tron really started getting better once they uh, cut Karn Liberated. We talked yeah. about this a yeah. little bit last yeah. week, actually, or it was kind of like, gosh, maybe we should have cut Karn, Karn Liberated a long time ago from that deck. And I, I don't know what the payoff could have been. Maybe you just put, I don't know, a zillion cityscape levels into your deck or so. I don't know. But Oh, man, my two of those arrived today and... They're looking like they can't wait to be cast. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that's a pretty good example of decks needing to adapt for the new metagame. Like we talked about, you know, the pressure like you in order to in order to keep up with the like the ring and bowmaster stuff, you kind of have to be applying a little bit more pressure early because, you know, Bowmaster, while not that great against Tron, it does have all the cantrips and stuff, and then you can need to be able to close that game before they draw too many cards off rings. So like having this payoff or like you know, I've seen main deck, I've seen main deck, more main deck O-Stones, main deck and staring bridges good against scam and just like more lower end payoffs and not getting clunked on the seven so you can double spell more often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's been pretty key. As I mentioned kind of when I was talking about the deck, I was like, well, maybe we just need more things at seven. But I think just having more options at like four and three, whether that's you know getting something off of your you know, using card the great creator, not being tempted to cast that card and liberate it in the first place, or like you said, it's like you know the one ring draw a card and then play like you know two 
your two uh, chromatic effects out of your hand and just like have a lot to draw with when you have a total shields up with the with the protection effect so yeah so all right so that's that's one of the biggest shifts is like yeah. Tron is suddenly viable. It's we've, we've demonstrated sort of some reasons that we think that this has happened, why it suddenly got such an improved win rate. We talked about that last week. The ne- the other deck that kind of fits in this bucket is Omnath, which was a big riser as well. Mm-hmm. And also thanks to the ring and some other things. But what did you find out when you started looking at like metadata as best you could about how creativity sure. is performing amongst the decks that are existing right now? Yeah, I mean, Omnath has a fairly weak... Okay, and I know there's going to be people out there who are like, look, I don't think you're right, Shane. And uh, it's not weak to creativity in my experience, et cetera, et cetera. I am working solely off of stats. So that's all I can work with. So feel free to disagree with me. But uh, Omnath is shown to be weak to creativity in the stats. And we know that that deck has lost about half its metagame share down to like high fives. So that allows Omnath some freedom. You know, and it's squishing all these former powerhouses in the meta, like Hammer, like Murktide, like Rhinos, like Yogmoth, And it also finally has a positive win rate against Scam. So like kind of our top two decks in the metagame are good against different things and omnath is strong against scam and so and it also has a somewhat strong matchup against yog and so that's a really good reason for a deck like this to exist where it's like it loses perhaps one of its worst popular matchups in creativity what loses you know that loses popularity and then that's you know it's an up-and-comer for sure not only because it it adds the metagame shifts but also the one ring and delighted halfling doing a lot for it See, it's a little surprising to me because, it, you know, I, I I I get the point about the the creativity matchup being a little bit uh, tough for uh, for Omnath, but I think specifically, like part of the reason why we don't really see creativity anymore is it's really hard for the creativity deck to have this really good like creativity for two or three into Archon turn against the protection mm-hmm. from the rings. So if they just start yeah. chaining rings, that's kind of sketchy. So it's it's kind of surprising to me that four color actually has a bad creativity matchup. And I wonder if that is maybe, maybe the data is like more pre LOTR. Cause I feel like that matchup changed quite a bit with the ring. Yeah. I mean, so what I'm looking at is from the six, the 22nd of June up until now, there are 66 cataloged matchups between elementals and creativity, which is, that's what it calls the Omnath text. And it's 38% win rate for elementals. That's pretty convincing across 66 matchups. So like you said, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of noise in data, right? There's a lot of lists. These lists have not been the same for five weeks. They, these lists have not been the same since June 22nd till you know, July 23rd. There's a lot of stuff that is dynamic here. And so I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm doing the best I can with this stuff. But yeah. but anyway, those are our hypotheses about why f- four color is performing better now. And also what its fit in the metagame might be. It's good against Rakdos. It's good against Yogmoth, ab- among other things. But those two decks right now are really important in the space that we're in right now. For sure. All right. So the other ring decks that we have here are actual control decks that we talked about last week, right? <laughs> Mid-range decks. Is it is it a control deck, Dave? <laughs> I mean, let's let's start with Coffers, which I'm pretty sure is actually a control deck. Can we talk about Coffers sure, first cuz that one is more coffers. more popular? How long, and, how long are we going to run this joke into the ground? As long as Devin lets us to. Uh, yeah. Let's I also wanted to talk about Coffers cuz it's not running 
it's not running Bowmasters and the One Ring, and Demure Control is running both, and then we can transition from there right into Yawgmoth. So, Coffers, what do we think about that? This is like the biggest ring deck that's out there right now. I mean, the, the main thing is it's really good against every popular deck, stats-wise, although the sample size is a little bit lower for this deck, besides like Titan, Scam, and Yogg. It just beats up everything else. Like Omnath, like Tron, like Azorius Control, like aggressive decks, surprisingly, because of all of its like really good control tools and stuff like that. So, you know, being weak against Rakdos and Yogmoth is not exactly where you want to be, but if you have, you know, tweakability and you beat everything else, then that's not a bad place to be. Yeah, that's that's definitely the tough part is, you know, like if you have, let's say, you know, if we if we predict like, you know, the top five decks, the metagame or, you know, even if you're re, even if you're really bad against Rakdos Scam at the end of the day, because the metagame is going to be, you know, relatively wide open, like we, you know, we don't want to get into predictions yet, but I, I would be pretty surprised if the number one played deck was over what 12 10 you know 10 to 12 percent so even yeah. if you figure that you're having you know a really bad matchup against 10 to 12 percent that's like one or one and a half matches it's not that bad at the end of the day yeah it shouldn't be like what's happened to these people in in the challenges right like we don't think the pro tour is oh, going to be no. 115 people and 40 of them are playing scam. I, no. We saw people on on Twitter being like, "Oh, I played a nine round challenge and I was on scam and I played scam seven times." You know, like that's that will happen to one person who is in that event. You know what I mean? It doesn't happen <laughs> really to everybody who's in the event. Yeah, right. So. Yeah. Coffers, I mean, I think Coffers is cool. Coffers is sort of the inverse of what we just said Omnath was, right? Omnath is pretty good against Rakdos and, and uh, Yogmoth, and this deck is not very good against those, but it's good against a lot of other things. And the thing that Coffers offers that nobody, that we haven't talked about too much, well, we, we have talked about because Tron has it, but it's another deck that has Karn that is main board tech against ring and also main board tech that makes your ring better the one thing that i really like about coffers there's a lot of big mana decks in the history of in the history of modern excuse me don't really have you know can't boast good aggressive matchups but coffers has four blood chiefs thirst and four fatal push so you kind of want to play against those aggressive matchups and i think that's where right. that's that's where coffers stands you know is a good position in the metagame because it's like you have the tools to go over the top of everybody but then you have a lot of cheap tools at the at the low end of the curve so let's move on to Demir, because this is the other big control deck, I think. I still think. Do you do you think I'm crazy for calling this a control deck? Or like, this is a control deck, right, Devin? What do you think? Uh, I will <laughs> refrain from commenting. Oh, really? Okay. Do you just hate <laughs> Do you just hate the Demir deck? Is that well, why? Well, I, I think that we don't want to, you know, we could spend a whole episode on this, but I think people right. are building it incorrectly right let's now. Let's do it. I, I really, I strongly believe that this deck should be a Grief Fain Death deck. Because the th like the theory of going turn one grief feign death with off a watery grave turn two hold up counterspell with your four or three medicine play after you took their two best cards there's nobody in the format's beating that draw so I actually kind of personally like subtlety or grief over subtlety but past that I mean it's playing a bunch of good cards so it, you know it's at the end of the day it's just it's really hard to go wrong with a bunch of good cards but I do think right. that I I want to I want to try a, a version of this deck that has grief yeah sweet I love it but this deck got a lot of popularity in the challenge this weekend we think that it's they're similar builds right to what it is so it's removal draw cards bowmasters rings and shieldred which is like another strategy to to go within this hole and you know coffers has shieldred too i mean do we know anything about the matchups with this no. deck like i, I that's like the thing no i couldn't figure out this 
yeah, it's too new, right? Because when I played it, you know, it just felt it felt a little similar to Coffers in the sense that it was like it was pretty good at killing aggro decks, and it had a problem with um, decks that went too wide though, because it's just a bunch of point removal. And other than that, like having counterspell plus ring felt awesome. And that was kind of what I got out of the, the, the sampling that I did with it. I put out a brief call uh, to the Twitterverse on some people's posts about playing the Demir deck in mm-hmm. paper and the kind of winning with it and stuff like that. And then Talisker themselves replied to one of them. And then it was like, I've not really struggled too much with Tron because someone had said that they don't love the Tron matchup. Have found Saga decks to be an issue at times. Also, the Murktide matchup isn't amazing, but Eliminate is sweet. We'll steal. Eliminate is sweet. We'll steal that one. So, I mean... Perhaps there's not too many weaknesses that Talisker's identified. I mean, there's not a ton of Saga decks out there right now, besides, like, what, Titan, uh, Hammer that's still out there. There is still some Murktide, so Scales, yeah. So it's not a perfect deck by any means, and I think people are still probably figuring out exactly what it's good and not so good against. It's a little surprising to me that the Murktide matchup would be bad, because you have the black spot removal, like you have Shieldred's Edict and Ways to Kill Murktide, and the Murktide deck can't really kill your Murktides that effectively as long as they're blood yes. and six sixes, and you yeah. have the combination yeah. of Shieldred plus rings, so I'm kind of surprised that the Murktide matchup would be not great. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I didn't, this is Twitter, so it's not like a, yeah. a deep conversation happening here, but that's all, I, that's all I know. It's called X. I mean, oh, yeah, X, I think yes. the thing that we have to, maybe all that we can do with this deck right now, because it's so new, is that it's kind of divisive, some people love it. Some people really hate this deck because it's an it's a kind of ugly deck list. It's, yeah, Devin is one of them. Ari is one of them. You know, these are people who've gone out there. I mean, I enjoyed playing it, but at the same time, I was sitting there thinking, "Is this good? This can't actually like this casting Sauron's ransom can't actually be good, can it?" Uh, we'll see. I mean, it's clearly continuing to gain gain meta share in the challenges. But it does feel a little bit like I would be surprised if a lot of pros brought it to the to the pro tour itself. But we'll yeah, see. Like when you look at the deck list, it it's just a pile of good cards. Like it's you know counter spell, shield, red ring, bowmaster, force and negation. Like all these cards are removal and draw cards. I think yeah. the biggest issue with me is just like the curve kind of sucks. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of fours. You don't really want to like Sauron's ransom is kind of awkward. Like we talked about the the Cabal Coffers deck, and that deck basically gets to play a two mana Sauron's ransom because Knight's Whisper and Sauron's ransom. At the end of the day, there's not a ton of difference between the two. There's a little bit of selection involved in the graveyard synergies, but like the fact Instant that speed, yeah, and yeah, that's true. When you're playing counter spell, it's different, you know. But the yeah. fact that like you get to curve your draw spell into more stuff on three as opposed to like tapping out for your draw spell, tapping out for your four drop, it's it the the curve kind. That feels off to me but it, like i said it's just it's just good cards can't can't go that wrong with good cards yeah yeah all right but here's the thing so now when we transition away from these sort of one maybe decks. we can kind of say like the ring has settled which i think a lot of people thought when they saw the ring is that it's sort of settled into being a control focused card like i don't think anybody should be too surprised by that so, right? right that's fair mm-hmm. to say even though it's showing up in other decks then the other path that we have here is like the Bowmaster focused decks, the decks that really want have Bowmaster or are doing the best with Bowmaster. And so that's coming down to, for now, Yogmoth and Scam, right? And so yeah. why don't we talk about Yogmoth first so that we can talk a little bit about the fact that how, how much this plays the ring in conjunction with Bowmaster and stuff like that. We can talk about a little bit. But Shane, what's the data look like for Yogmoth sure. since Lord of the Rings? Well, Yog is the seventh, second best performing deck since Lord of the Rings was released, has a nearly 57% win rate. 
I think there's a couple things that help really here. One is rhinos declining. And that's a huge win for that, for Yawgmoth, right? Like, so it basically now has strong matchups against the general field of the meta. Unfortunately, besides three of the biggest decks, Omnath, Greentron, and Scam. Is that true? Yes. But what's here, but here's what's important. Uh, It's not like these are 60, 40 matchups or or worse. Like Omnath and Tron are very winnable at about 44%. And even Scam, I think, is very winnable at 41%. So you can see why Yawgmoth is doing really well, where it sort of mops up uh, generally everything in the field. And then even its bad matchups are not that bad. And I think, you know, we've made arguments where it's like, hey, it can win through protection of the one ring. So maybe it's, you know, as it's tuned itself and added things like, you know, Bowmasters was not, I don't think, an immediate add to Yawgmoth. I think that's been sort of more, perhaps more contemporary than the, when this data began on like the 22nd of last month. I think people were maybe slightly slower to add these things. So, you know, the data could be better in the past three weeks. I'm just going to change it right now as I'm talking about it, but don't wait for me. Yeah, I think that was the, the turning point for me that I remember was I think it was the second week of challenges after LOTR where it was I believe it was Zerk won the challenge with like four I think it was four Bowmaster four Ring and that's kind of where it just took off from there and everybody started playing Bowmaster and Ring but yeah it's a really good Bowmaster deck you know if you want to get into specifics like two bodies to be able to use record uh, random token to be able to sack to Grist being able to pick off X1s especially Ren because your deck can struggle with Ren sometimes although Halfling has made that uh, a, a non not and not as much of an issue as before, but yeah, very very good card in the stack. Yeah, looking at the stats between it and creativity, excuse me, it and uh, elementals, Omnath decks, it's basically 50-50. It's like 48% win rate against elementals since like the beginning of July as people have sort of continued tuning it. So really in terms of popular decks, the only thing in the red at all is Greentron and Scam. And that's like 40 and 45%. And that is a perfectly great place to be for Yawgmoth. And then let's talk about the flip side of the mid quote unquote mid range decks, which is scam, right? And this is also one of the top three performing decks, right? Oh yeah, scams fifty five percent since uh, middle of last month, and we talked a lot about scam. It's likely not a surprise. It just has good matchups against a ton of what people are playing, and its worst matchups have lost metagame game share. You know, creativity, rhinos, hammer have taken big hits. And so Scam can just feast on stuff like Tron, like Murktide, like Living End, like Yawgmoth, you know, all these other smaller players in the format. And then it really only gives like Omnath uh, something to, to beat up on, right? And, you know, Ratos's only bad matchups look like Burn, Creativity, Elementals, and Rhinos. And when I say those four decks, you probably get a good idea of why Scam is surging right now. By elementals, you mean Omnath, right? Omnath, Not, yes, yeah. I apologize. Yeah. So that's I mean, there, a lot of but the other ones. There. Yeah, yeah. The, there, there are, depending on the build these days. I got I got um, a, prop- a proposal for you. Instead of Rakdos midrange, can we call it Rakdos Delver? I love it. Because it kind of plays like a Delver deck, right? Like you go turn one, make a big thing, whether it's Grief or Fury, and you back it up. Well, the Grief backs itself up, and then sometimes you back up the yep. Fury with removal spells. Can I can I throw another thing out here? Sure. Can we call it Rakdos Splinter Twin? Because that's kind of how I... Nah, Devin hates it. Fine. I mean, it's that's close. Fine. It's close. Yeah. I guess the thing, the thing I did want to talk about that we touched about touched on earlier, I just want to like include it in this chapter 
of the discussion for when I make a YouTube video of this and try to go viral with everybody's faces. Um, the These mid-range decks or whatever these decks are, they have they have buttons, they have game plans that let them steal wins. And that's kind of different or very different from like what mid-range used to mean in, in modern, which was like jund, right? Like j real mid-rangey decks never really had, oh, I'm actually going to search up some kind of, I mean, I guess birthing pod did, was birth was was pod kind of a mid-range deck that had an I win button in it? Or was it just, I'm going to play combo all the time? Pretty close. I think you could like maybe justify it as one or the other. I feel like I would probably lean more towards combo, but it definitely had similar to Yogmoth. It definitely had that mid range feel to it. Yeah, and then Rakdos I think is similar, except for its I win button involves going extremely aggro. Right, it's either massive hand disruption or going extremely aggro with a fury plan against decks that can't interact against it. And so it kind of has this weird parachute too, where it's like, oh, the, against certain decks, I can just attack for eight damage on turn two and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And I think that's part like, you know, exactly what you say is correct. And I think part of that or most of that attributes to the power level increase, right? As, as the cards get more powerful, we have to de like the mid range decks can no longer, it's maybe not power creep per se, but the cards are not as effective at trading one for one. Like you look at some of the cards in the format, Fury is a two for one, Fable's a two for one, Ren's a two for one, uh, Ring is a 17,000 for one. You can't trade one for one with these cards. So you either have to try and play your own cards that generate multiple cards, or just ignore them all and go and go under them in the case of Rakdos or scam in the case, or excuse me, in the Yawgmoth in the case of just killing your opponent on turn three or turn four. So I think that kind of says a little bit about like why these decks are popular, why they're different from what they used to be and kind of where they fit in the metagame right now. The next thing is, you know, we're a little down on combo right now, a little bit. I know that a combo deck, a combo deck we're not going to talk about quite yet won the challenge on Sunday, but Living End is the quote unquote mm. combo deck of the moment, right? Like it is the, yeah. you know, if you want to believe Cascade is combo 50-50 or whatever, because they play out different ways, but Living End is the sort of non-interactive deck of the moment. Yeah, I mean, it interacts in one way, right? Which is interacting with your board and it killing it. It wraps <laughs> your board and brings <laughs> its board back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Living End's rise is one of the other biggest shifts to the metagame. I think I, think I would include perhaps Tron, Omnath, and Living End as the biggest surgers that have had the largest sort of cascading effects. And the reason I say that is Living End is super strong against Creativity, Hammer, Murktide, and Rhinos, which other decks are as well that we've seen rise. And that continues to apply that metagame pressure in driving those decks down. But then it also has weakness to Rakdos and Green Tron, and it's also an underdog to Yawgmoth. And so that then allows one another reason that those decks can continue surging in the meta, right? So like it seems it's like stupid to say it out loud like that, but like when you just sort of look at the performance numbers and kind of like the reasons people have to play living in, the deck is overall better. Here are the things that this better deck are good and bad against, and those will have influences on the metagame. 
Yeah, and I think another really big thing with living in is uh, efficiency and consistency. These land cyclers, it's it's funny we talk about them. They, I remember, I remember saying one a couple of weeks back on the episode, I, on one of the episodes, I think the cyclers might be the most impactful card to its respective archetype because it really changes the the way that the deck fundamentally plays. Living in's best draws are one mana cycler into two man, one mana cyclers into cascade spell, and now you're just doing that with a higher frequency. Yeah, I mean, running fewer lands can be good. <laughs> I'm still shocked that it's true, but it is yeah, what it is. Right. We just I'm, want a one-land hand. That is definitely the deck I will be playing next. I'm still finishing up some green Tron stuff because, you know, you gotta, uh, and it's fun. But I definitely need to just take some spins around the block with, with Living End. All right. And then, so th- I think that the story of Modern right now, in my mind anyway, is largely about these decks like it's it's right now like that's the core of the format and i think it lines up pretty well with like what we expect the top end of the meta to be and all those things but it's it's kind of these buckets of decks however of course there's a bunch of stuff outside of that that we can talk about kind of quickly any highlights out of there because there are certainly notable decks that haven't fallen into this like framework that we're talking about here i think we gotta talk about burn even though i don't want to because yeah. like the the reason I want to talk about burn is not because I think it's good. I don't think it's a good choice. It'll not Devin's be high. Devin's just shaking my... his head. He's like, well, no. So, so like you think based on this metagame, burn should be at least okay. It has strong matchups against scam elementals, really good against green Tron. And eighty-three anyone... percent against green Tron. You're, what you're telling us it says anyone anyone remaining in creativity burn can kill. It's like, but here's the problem with this deck is that it still sucks against other things. Living End, Murktide, Hammer Time, there's still people playing those decks, uh, especially Living End. You know, it has bad matchups into all these less popular decks like Titan, like Coffers, like Rhinos, surprisingly to me a little bit. So that's like Burn's real problem, right? It's like, it's really polarized. You do not have a Yawgmoth-like performance where it's like, my worst stuff is 40%. Your worst stuff is like, you know, quite bad. And there's way more of those decks out there. And so that's keeping i think burn from being something that i think is a reliable powerhouse choice right now even when like the sort of the metagame seems like it should be something that you can attack with lightning bolt and lava spike and the big issue with burn is we talk about how these polarized matchups it doesn't it isn't really a deck that's conducive to changing its sideboard plans that frequently like you have the sideboard cards that are commonly played sanctifier in fact whirling vortex but these are cards that you have to play because if you don't play those cards you give up way too too many percentage points in other matchups so you're basically like if you want to make your murktide or maybe i don't even maybe it's a bad example but if you want to make matchup x from 40 to 60 then you make matchup y from 60 60 to 40 and you can't really change that equation yeah so yeah i mean it's just like i i feel like burn is one of those things where people are like well it's, it's a good metagame for burn i just don't i don't think it totally is not as much as some of these other decks i think you know have the chops to to perform but how about mardu burn maybe i mean maybe we'll see we'll i'm gonna see. have to play that now i didn't even i didn't even see that burn list but now i'm gonna have to play it i mean you have all the opportunity in the world my friend you do this every day what are you thinking about rhinos right now, Devin? Like, does does Lorian does like kind of the new pitch package? Does the the one ring? I mean, I, mean, I don't think so. I do is anything kind of making you know subtlety coming back into the deck? Is it making it better, or is it just not really there right now? It's weird. I played. I don't know if you guys have have had any experience with that Lorian list, but I played the the challenge winning list from last weekend, the one that had four Lorians, and the there was like cutting four lands for four Lorians. 
Um, yeah. I think that is crazy because there's some games like, you know, obviously if you go cycle into Fire Ice and the Cascade Spell, whatever, that's fine. But when you have Dead Gone and you want to go Dead Gone, Fire Ice, Cascade Spell, you don't have an opportunity to cycle. So I think that mm-hmm. the idea of Lorien's good, but I don't think four copies is good. I think either two to three and then maybe 22 to 23 lands is the right number. Um, as far as Rhinos specifically in the metagame, if you look at the popular decks, I mean... Scam mm-hmm. and Yawgmoth are, what, two of the top three or top four decks? And Rhinos kind of just steamrolls both of those decks. Yeah. So weirdly enough, I know Rhinos has been falling out of favor recently, but I actually wonder if a lot of people at the PT pick up Yawgmoth and Scam if Rhinos is maybe actually a good call. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right, Devin, in that, like, again, it's another one of those decks where I think you can look at kind of the top decks and be like, yeah. Like, this should be a place where rhinos can shine. But I think, like, you know, you look at the chart and you're like, dang, there's a lot of red. Like, there's, you know, there's still, like, Amulet Titan players out there. There's still, like, Death Shadow players and, of course, Living End, which is not strong against, like, randomly Merfolk. You know what I mean? It's just, like, there's stuff out there that you don't want to see as a, a rhinos player. And I think it just sort of holds it down enough to, like, you know, keep our precious, you know, rhino friends from, I think, being, you know, Tier 1 and Tier 2 again. But maybe, like you said, we're seeing new adaptations since even you know the past few weeks. So I'm kind of excited to to, to run it out again. I don't think Lorigan reveal is that a rare Dave or like an uncommon? No, no, it's a all those cards are commons. <laughs> oh heck yeah, let's go! They don't have to be expensive. So Dave, you you open two boxes. You must have a playset by now. Oh God, Devin, <laughs> twist the knife. <laughs> Look, quick aside, uh, before the RCQ last weekend, I went to four stores. They didn't have any Reckless Impulses. I bought a box of Midnight Hunt, and I only got three. So I saw you talking about that. Oh, and then yeah. you bought one more pack and got your fourth. Was that I bought, it? I bought five packs, and I got the fourth. Oh, God, man. You bought a box of Midnight Hunt. Oh, oh yeah. Man. I opened two wedding announcements, though. Oh, that's good. Oh, there you yeah. go. That's helpful. Okay. One thing else I also want to ask you about, Devin. Creature combo stuff, like, you know, the Samwise, the Heliod, the Collected Company stuff. Like, is anything actually going on with creature combo that we should really care about? Or is it still just, like, too experimental, too unrefined, too unreliable? Yeah, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I, I will say I've played a lot of these decks over the past yeah, you couple have been. of weeks. That's why I'm I asking played, you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I played uh, several different versions of, like, the Asmo. I guess we don't want to loop Asmo in, but the Sam combo deck. I played the the Sunday the, the Sunday challenge winning deck list with Lonus, which we maybe get to at some point. Uh, played a little bit of Heliod, had a trophy with Heliod. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. The thing is, when you're playing a Court of Company Court of Company, Court of Calling Collected Company deck, it's really hard to get the like the flex spots down because you have a lot of flexibility in terms of Court of Calling, like what one-ups you want to play. Some versions are playing Ranger Captain of EO, so there's a lot of fine-tuning that goes into those the, the deck selection and the card choices. So I think a lot of it is we haven't necessarily found the like the, the quote, I'm going to use the word stock version or anything like that. And, uh, but I will say that there is quite a bit of power in these decks. They can kill on turn three and y- you got to be careful. And a- you were starting to talk about Asmo for a minute. Is that, is Asmo different? You think Asmo is more of a grindy creature synergy deck than combo? Yeah. Basically we'll say that Samwise is scam and Asmo is Demir control or mid range <laughs> or whatever go. you want to call it. Yeah, sure. Demir, Demir card pile. Demir mid roll. Yeah. Uh, and, and, okay. And because I want to get into our our fantasy draft, I'm just going to talk I, about we have, I have three more decks yeah. that I think are all just inconsistent, and that's a big problem. Bre- Breach, Titan, Shadow. 
These yeah. are all decks that exist. They actually have pretty good win rates. Like Titan and Breach are like 52 and 53, but they just are not consistent enough across the entire field, especially against things like some of the, like Titan is like, well, I'm not good against Omnath Tron, Murktide Living, and Scam and Yogg. Well, you're not going to win a Pro Tour, my friend. <laughs> quick aside, real just real quick on Breach and Titan. I think a lot of the win rates are kind of padded by people who are deck specialists. This is a category of like, if you're a deck specialist, you can do really well because the Breach and Titan pilots that only play that deck like religiously, they are the ones that continuously winning. So, you know, this might be a don't try it at home kind of thing, but, you know, we might see a Breach or a Titan specialist do well at the Pro Tour. I wouldn't be surprised. Or a specialist who convinces their team to put the effort in with one of them for a week and get really, not really great maybe, but probably could pick it up. I only bring that up because that seems possible to me with Breach. It seems a lot less possible to me with Titan. I think people who want to play Titan are going to play Titan, and that's, like you said, that's, that is what it is. But Breach, I feel like you could suddenly have, you know, I, I don't know, like Team Channel Fireball be like, yeah. half of us are playing Breach because yeah, I mean, it's the most broken card in the format that nobody's talking about. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that kind of like summarizes my goal here, which was really to sort of be like, decks are now operating in vacuums. The, the format is not sort of just a, um, it's not influenced by one thing at a time. And especially when we have something as, as influential as Lord of the Rings and we see all these pieces moving together and the influences of those cascade down. And so that's kind of like what I was trying to do when I was going through all this and kind of trying to create a picture of how we got to where we are now. But I do not think at all that that means that it is stable. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what it did do. I think it did give a good preview of, and give me some things to think about going into our fantasy draft of all these deck archetypes that we will get into after the break. All right, Shane here to tell you a little bit more about Barrister and Man, because as we talked about in the beginning of this episode, they are a renewed sponsor for us. And the reason is, is because you all keep buying stuff from them. And so if you have not yet, you can use the code the dive down 23. That's the dive down 23 for 15% off your first order. What I wanted to talk about with you today are the fragrances that Will over at Barrister and Man Designs. And I was talking to him just yesterday about kind of his philosophy and approach to his fragrances. And he says, you have to be willing to think outside the box, which seems kind of like a cliche, but for Will, I know it's really true because he tries to make things that are basically like nothing else. He wants to make things for people who don't want to wear the stuff at the department store. They don't want to wear the stuff at Target. They want to smell like no one else out there, Pe- fragrances for the real individual, for people who want to make a statement with the way they smell. And notice that doesn't have to be something like, I just smell a lot. It can be really subtle. It can be just for you know yourself. It can be for someone who's going to be really close to you. And his fragrances are really awesome. We've gotten a number of sample of those, like things like Just Right for a Tuesday, which is, you know, fresh, a daytime scent, something you can wear kind of every day. You know, he has darker, more kind of like date night, you know, and more intense fragrances like Fougere Gothique, which is I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Things like Marilyn, things like Lavender Interrupted, which I tried just a few episodes ago and is really something special. If you want to check out any of those fragrances, if you want to learn more about what they smell like, what the influences are, what the kind of motivation 
and you know Will's thought process for making these things. You can go to Barrister and Man M A double N dot com. Uh, feel free to pick up a cologne or a soap or a body soap or a shaving soap, anything like that. Use code the Dive Down twenty three for 15% off that first order uh, and let's Will know that you came from us. We appreciate it. So Devin, Shane, I hear you guys like games. Am I right? I do. I do play a, play a few. Yeah, and maybe you all have done fantasy sports in the past, it seems like. Too, too much. Many. Much. Both of you too much. Me too, actually. I mean, people may not know or may remember from a long time ago that I actually, before we were on, had this magic podcast, I was on a fantasy football podcast. Shout out to Fantasy Outliers. Uh, 2018 season, if you ever Ripperino, Fantasy yeah, Outliers. Ripperino. I listened to, to every episode. I mean, I did know both the hosts, so that helps. Right, right. Yeah, you were one of dozens, my friend. So anyway... We're going to do a fantasy draft because we thought it might be more... Because we just talked about all this stuff. We got all these opinions, everybody's thoughts about the decks. But what happens if we put pride on the line and points based on the decks and make people make decisions about how they would actually rank these decks, where they would choose to add them to their teams? So what we're going to do is we're going to draft rosters of five decks each of us are. Okay? Oh, I I, I forgot I had first pick. I honestly was operating all day like I had third. Yeah. Yeah. No, you have first pick. Oh what? No. This so, sucks. So we're gonna take we're gonna pick five decks. I have a pool of twenty decks that you <sighs> must select your first picks from, your first four picks from. And then after that, if you want to take one of the decks that's left over, you can have it or you can write in whatever you want. This is just to keep us from having to think about a lot of write-ins. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the twenty decks that I have here, and I'm gonna zoom in just in case. So we, we do so this we cannot write in to the final round. You cannot write into the final round. You only okay, get so one can... write in. Otherwise, you have to pick from Rakdos, Midrange, and Omnath, Living End, Murktide, Yogmoth, Green Tron, Creativity, Burn, Hammer, Amulet, Rhinos, Breach, Shadow, Coffers, Hardened Scales, Zoo, Blue Black Control, Samwise Combo, Jund, and Asmo Food. Those are food. Okay. and those bottom ones are ones that we just threw in for fun at the end for what it's worth. Okay. So Is we're going do- there. Titan okay, is on, on there. there. Okay. I'm not going to pick it, but it's on there. We are going to do a traditional snake draft. And okay. like Shane said. One, two, three, four. So I've got pick one and pick six, then pick seven. Okay. Yeah. He's got first pick. Now, would you like me to explain the scoring before we get into the Yes, picking? please. Okay. Here's how scoring is going to work. I like to game the game, Dave. Yep. Here's how scoring is going to <laughs> yeah. work. Scoring will be based off of three different factors, basically. It's going to be based off of meta share the deck's win percentage, and any placements this, these archetypes have in the top 32 of the Pro Tour fi- finishes. So the, how it's going to work is you're oh. going to get a half point per percentage of day one meta. So if Scam is 15% of the meta, you're going to get f- 7.5 points for it for day one. You'll also get a half point for the for the day two percentage of meta for each percentage point. So that means that if scam is ten percent of the day two meta, you get an additional t- five points for it for a total of twelve point five points for scam from meta share in this example. Okay. Okay. That's the number one thing. To balance out meta share, we're gonna do overall win percentage for each deck. And the win percentage for each deck. If it's got a sub 50% win percentage, yeah, 
And this is going to depend on if we can get access to non-mirror win percentages or not. We will use non-mirror if we can get it. We will use whatever we can get here if we can get it from Wizards of the Coast. Okay. If it has a sub 50% win rate, you get a that deck gets a minus five penalty. So if this is scam, like defense. Yes, this is like defense in fantasy football. So scam only even if it has the meta share that I just described, if scam has a 49% win percentage, you get a min- that then scam is only worth seven and a half points. You get a minus five penalty on that. So you can't if gain it, has, it. I can't be like, people are gonna bring it even if it's bad. Right. If it if it gets a fifty to fifty two percent, that's zero additional points plus or minus fifty to fifty two is like no penalty, no bonus. Fifty two to fifty five is three additional points. Fifty five plus is five additional points. Sweet. Okay. And then finally, placements from thirty two to seventeenth. It's one point per per placement per archetype that you get. From six to nine, sixteenth to ninth place, it's two points. From eight to third place, it's four points, and then the finalist will give ten <sighs> points per archetype. Oh man! So that's finalist. like the sixty-yard field goal. These are your touchdowns, basically. Okay. Got it. Perfect. Okay. Love it. Does that make sense to everybody? Yes. Makes sense to me. Listeners are totally bored right now because talking about <laughs> fantasy football is like talking about your dreams to people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but let's uh, let's hop in. Okay. All right. So. So Shane, gonna, I've got to think about what's going to be left. Actually, I don't. I'm just gonna, so I'm going to play it very safe. I'm going to take Rakdos mid range. I think it is okay. probably the. I think it's going to be probably the most popular deck and is extremely safe. So I think it's my pick. It's, this is my uh, this is my running back one. Okay, Shane's pick is Rakdos mid range. I am going to take Yogmoth with my first pick. Whoa! I'm, skip I'm actually color. I'm actually a bit surprised. At Yogmoth. I thought it might have fallen to fourth. Now, now you get put me on the fly here. I was going to take Yogmoth. I, ah, yeah. I knew it, Devin. Yeah, I knew you it. knew it. You knew I it. I think, I mean, and you, you have to play it safe here. You're on the turn. You got to pick two solid decks. Well, I mean, let's play it safe. I mean, I kind of want to take Burn just to troll Shane, but. I mean, go <laughs> for it. Probably not a good idea. I don't, hmm. yeah, don't hate, don't hate draft. Don't to- troll draft first round. I'm going to take, okay, this is going to look a little weird, but here's, hear me out. I'm going to take Greentron and Coffers. I'm going to try and steal no, all I think the that's big perfect. mana from both think, you guys. I think that's wow. perfect. I would, so you guys I would, can't have any would, big mana. I think, I think you, you, what you lose in metagame share, you might gain in win rate with Coffers there. I really was thinking coffers was one of my safeties. I thought that I was definitely going to be able to get that second round. I cannot believe that nobody has taken four color Omnath yet. I mean, that um, fell. <laughs> I am going to take Omnath. So I have Yogmoth and Omnath right now. And now stuff starts getting bad. I'm definitely going to take Living End with one of these two picks. Okay, I'm going to put it over under your name right now. That's fine. So, and I cannot write in yet. Okay, I'm going to quickly use my cheat sheet. I'm going to go up to Karsten's percent. Oh, you already have it here. Karsten's I have the percentages, percentages right yeah, there on so the left-hand okay. side well, for you. I'm going to go to my other cheat sheet, which is my, my, my metagame performance list, and <laughs> try to remind myself how these decks are doing. Ugh. This is tough, because I, I have to balance, in terms of, Dave, your scoring mechanism here, right, which will reward metagame percentage, and I think Murtide will still show up here. I could, it could very well get a defense penalty at minus 50%, you know what I mean, and like kind of throw it all away. And That's I don't literally think why I put one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be a little weird. I'm just going to go with 
I'm going to go with Amulet Titan. That seems... No, no, I'm sorry. No. Well, I mean, I guess we can't roll the picks back. I was going to go Demir Control, actually. Sure. You want Demir Control there? You got it. Yeah, thank you. I think we're... I don't, this is a friendly league. There's nothing yeah, on the line with Clyde he here. Did say Amulet Titan. <laughs> Devin, there's it's no gonna, way you wanted to Demir you. Control. Don't pretend. No, you just told no, me you hated I, that no, deck. No, absolutely not. I assumed you wanted it, though. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I will recover. This, this is my usual tactic of the risky early round play. I think Demir Control could easily get like 43%. Easily. Easily. Oh, it's my, is it my pick? It's my pick. Yeah, so you're I right. It was Devin's pick. Okay. Uh, <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Oh, man. We should have had the soundboard. I am going to take. I am going to take Merktide. I'm just going to be safe. You know that every time I play fantasy, I take all the the old man picks. Yeah, I'm taking Merktide. That's the old man pick. I always had Steven Jackson on my team forever. Who knows what? You know what I mean? Like, that's me. I'm going to take two of these, huh? Yeah, you get the turn again. And for what it's worth, this is your last non-write-in pick like the second what? pick yeah. that you make here you'll be able to write in the next oh, time that you go okay. that yeah, matters yeah. i'm gonna to take two of these yeah what are well, you I gonna write some, in at this I point i got some big mana some different stuff here i could take an aggressive deck there's a couple combo decks i'm leaning towards like breach titan but i don't know if i want to take two combo decks i kind of want to take one combo deck and one aggro deck just to kind of cover the spectrum a little bit let's go with breach and hammer Ooh, I really thought I was going to have Breach. All right, Breach and Hammer? Yeah. Hammer, Devin. Yeah. I mean, it's still popular. It's still fine. It's it's maybe a controversial pick, but it's it's an explosive <laughs> deck too, you know? Uh, I am going to take... I'm going to take Amulet Titan with my last pick. Do we have to write in? No. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, you could take one of those that's left over if you want. Shane, just take one pick though, and then I'm going to tell yes. people what the, what the rosters okay. are. I'll take rhinos. Okay, rhinos. It's, it's it's like it's like drafting Steven Jackson. Yeah, rhino voice. <laughs> okay, Shane, why don't you tell us what you've taken through the first four? I'm rounds. happy with this. Actually, I'm I'm somewhat happy. Uh, Rakdos mid range scam, living end, Demir control, and rhinos. Okay, and I have Yogmoth, four color Omnath, Murktide, and Amulet Titan. That's a, that's a stronger roster than me. I feel like Devin. And uh, I got a wild one over here: Green Tron, <laughs> Coffers, Breach, and Hammer. I don't know. Looking back at this, I might have uh, I might have shot myself <laughs> in the foot here. Uh oh. Well, you can make up for it with a really good hit here in the right in round if you pick the rogue deck that's going to win the whole thing, or take one of our lovely decks that's left over. Shane. Yes, it is. It's my. It's my. Is this my last pick, or is this? This is our last pick. We last only pick, have yep. five decks. Okay. Um. I, I can't take burn after dogging on it so much. I'm going to take... Do I have a write-in? Do I have a... I don't think I have a write-in. That's going to be worth its salt. I think I'm going to have to go with... Oh, creativity, defense, scoring is going to be so bad. Samwise combo. Let's take a flyer in this last round. Let's take let's take a creature combo deck. Okay, I guess here's the question. If it, if it involves... The card Samwise Gamgee is that enough to qualify, or is that to like Samwise and like Cat? I don't think there are people playing fair Samwise. The only Sam decks yeah. I've seen have had have had the combo in it. So okay, I think you should well let's good. just go for that. All right, my final pick, and just so everybody knows, the the decks that are left here alone,ly on the dance floor right now are Creativity, Burn, Shadow, Hard and Scale, Zoo, Jund, and Asmo Food. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write in. 
aspiring spikes cofferless coffers oh that's mono a good black write-in. control list good write-in do we know what i'm talking about there yeah like just like mono black grief i think frank Car- yeah mono black it. grief yeah Hmm. <laughs> well i'm just saying i got the coffers but i it i guess it doesn't have coffers so it has to have it has to have no coffers and it has to have grief in it okay what if it has one coffers as like a value <laughs> land does that count mm. <laughs> no i think that's no, it's, it it it's I'm trolling the, you. I'm of course game, it that seems against the spirit of the pick. Let's here. yeah, let's say the co- we coffers, can work it out, Devin. Coffers has to have four coffers for Urborg. I, yeah, I know. I got gotcha. you. Maybe yeah, maybe Karn. It has to have Karn. Yeah, I'm just trying. I'm honestly, I'm just trying to steal your thunder. That's all I'm here for. <clears throat> I, I hear you. <laughs> all right, I'm up. I feel, I feel like you have some scraps here, Devin. Oh, I'm writing in. I'm I'm I've already made oh, my okay. pick. I love you, you guys, taking taking the initiative. Yeah, let's you, write you in. You guys, you guys might be a little surprised by this, but. For the final pick of the 2023 Dive Down Fantasy MTG Draft, Devin O'Donnell, a.k.a. Doomwake, selects <laughs> Heliod Combo. Oh, ah. I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to do it because I was just like, as soon as I took Sam Eyes, I was like, oh, wait, there might be a, there might be another. Love it. Now, hear me out. I re- so I actually think the Heliod deck is kind of busted, but it's impossible to play on Magic Online. So I think that... Um, you know, more people who, yeah. uh, given that you can't demonstrate an infinite loop, et cetera, et cetera. I think, I think that deck is quietly busted, but you can't play it online. So that's hilarious. I think that's a really good last round flyer there, Devin. Assuming right. people actually pick it up. <laughs> I mean, that that's definitely like a team deck. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. yeah, we all, we all practiced this in paper and it was absurd. So we brought it. We're going to do it. Okay. One bonus question for the end of the show. Think of it as a tiebreaker. If we, yeah. I want to do this prices, right rules. Closest without going over? Closest without going over to the number of day one, the percentage of day one decks that have the one ring in them, which I believe will be a stat we will have access to without having to look for it ourselves. And so just to remind everyone that usually includes Omnath, maybe Yogmoth, Tron, Amulet Titan, uh, Jeskai Breach, not Demir. not is it? Demir, Coffers. Oh yeah, Coffers, Demir. It's a lot of decks. <laughs> Yeah. Who wants to go first? You have the honor, Shane, okay. of going first. I would like you to give your percent and then read your final Without roster. Without going over. Mm, 18.75. All right. Two, two decimal 5. points. Okay. Racto Scam, Living End, Demir Control, Rhinos, Samwise Combo Decks, and 18.75 decks on day one will have at least one one ring in them. All right. I am going to say... 35%. Holy smokes. One. You're doing a very dangerous, like, price is right thing where it's like Devin can just go 18.76 and wins, but that's his prerogative going last. Unless it's over 35%. Yes, that's a good point. All right. So I'm saying 35%, and it is Yogmoth, Four Color, Omnath, Murktide, Amulet Titan, Mono Black, Grief without Cofferless, Grief. 35% for day one ring meta share. Devin's in a very interesting position here. He can go hmm. 0.1, he can go 18.76 or 35.101. Well, I mean, I was I was going to guess 69% for the memes, but nice. I, I also <laughs> wanted to be that high. So I guess if Dave's going to go 35, I don't, you know, <sighs> hmm. so if I go 36, the only way that Dave wins is if it's like between 35 and well, 36. You know, 
Yeah. Well, I don't, you know. Give me a little like, bit of breathing yeah, space. Yeah, I want to give him a little bit. Of, I, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm not going to do 36 or anything like that. Let's go, let's do 45%. Wow, you're going to say 45%. That, okay, that's a very yeah, generous I want to give you a buffer. Uh, that's a, that is more generous. I also think it's going to be over 50, so I think I'm going to win anyways. Wow. See, this is what I was thinking too, Devin. <laughs> I thought going a third was like pretty aggressive. This is but, why I'm not playing Plinko. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and for the listeners at home, I got a roster of Green Tron, Coffers, a lot of Big Mana, Breach, Hammer, Heliod, Combo. And 45%. 45%. All right. We will tweet this out. We will include a link to this in the show notes so people can come and look at the draft board and see what was left on the draft board and also look at what we drafted. Uh, thanks to the lovely people at Figma for making a free tool that we could use that to, to build this. And also, depending on when this episode goes out, we can link to we can link a board like a blank board, and maybe if you uh, if the PT hasn't started yet, you can even do your own at home. Yeah, yeah, I could I could reset this and do that for sure. Awesome, tier maker, tier maker, tier maker. Okay, well, yeah, that's our episode. That is that was that was a, that was a fun one. I, I like I like this idea of the fantasy draft because it's something to look forward to. That does wrap up this week's show. If you haven't yet. Make sure you subscribe to the pod. You get latest episodes as soon as they come out. If you use Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us a rating and a review over there, and we will read choice elements of it out on the air. If you want to submit a question to the pod, you can reach out to us via email at thedivedown at gmail.com. You can give us uh, an X at X Twitter. Twitter. Who knows? Who uh, even knows the, that the is? The Dive Down. The Dive Down. We're on Twitter X. If you want to support the show, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash the Dive Down. Of course, we have the store at the Dive Down.com slash store. Mana Traders, you can use the sign up code the Dive Down 2023 for 10% off of your first two months of running Magic Online cards. Our friends over at Barrister and Man, of course, you can use the new code, the Dive Down 23 for 15% off your first order there. Nerd Rage Gaming, save money on paper cards there with Dive 8 for 8% off of your first order. And as we mentioned, our latest sponsor, Heavy Play, you get 10% off of your order at heavyplay.com using the code the Dive Down 2023. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Space Blood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and win a modern Pro Tour.